God's grace and his mercy and his peace be with you today from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. To start out today, Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17. There the Holy Spirit says this to us. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me read that again. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. I want to ask you a question then about your Christian life. Do you feel that you are making the most of your time in your life for the Lord? Are you wise or are you foolish? Are you preparing uh, smartly for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the second advent of our King? Are you making good use of your time or not? Well, we've been doing a sermon series on the parables of Jesus, and today I'd like to look with you at a parable that Jesus told about the good use of our time, namely the parable of the unjust steward, or also called the parable of the dishonest manager. And let's see then today what Jesus would teach us about making a good use of our time on earth through this parable, the parable of the dishonest manager. So where do we want to start? Let's start by reading it. Luke chapter 16. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called to him, uh, this, this man, uh, and he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that people may receive me into their houses when I'm put out of the management. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, I'm take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light, Jesus says. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. So there's our parable today. It's one of the harder, more difficult parables to understand in the Bible. But hopefully in the next few minutes, we'll make it very clear to you. And uh, let me just put it in modern terms, if you will. Just imagine Jesus is preaching in our day. He may say something like this. There was once a company called Enron. And in 2001, they had $101 billion in revenue. But the managers of that company were very dishonest people, and they dealt in accounting fraud. Well, it so happened that one day they were going to be audited very soon. And one day, uh, one of the dishonest accountants, one of the dishonest managers, got word that they were to be audited the next day. And so he made quick preparations. He did some fast business dealings. 
He did some quick maneuvers. He found some legal loopholes to protect himself by some very clever uh, business savvy. And he averted and escaped sudden disaster for himself, uh, escaping a lifelong time in jail and secured for himself a future. Now, therefore, go thou and do likewise. Hmm. Well, we are in some way to emulate or be like this dishonest manager. But in what way are we to be like him? How should we imitate him? It's strange that Jesus tells, it there's, tells us there's, there's something about this dishonest manager that we are to emulate. So let's consider our options. In what way should we be like him? Should we be like him in, being, uh, in his poor stewardship? No, because this parable is very clear. It says, a rich man had a manager. Charges were brought to the rich man that the manager was wasting his goods. Called to him, uh, called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. So poor stewardship is not something we should imitate in this man, his dishonesty, because that was why he's getting fired. He was condemned by the master for that. How about this? Should we imitate the dishonest manager in his love for money? He definitely liked to fatten his own pockets by uh, dealing shrewdly or, or dishonestly for many years for his master. But that's not what we should do either. That's what got him into trouble in the first place, by being dishonest. His love for money. Jesus tells us at the end of this parable in verse 13, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. God and money. So we shouldn't love money. Paul also tells us that the love of money is the root of all evils in 1 Timothy 6. So we shouldn't imitate his poor stewardship. We shouldn't imitate his love of money. Should we imitate him in being a fast, dishonest businessman with quick, uh, kind of slick deals on the fly? Answer, once again, no, because look at what Jesus says after the parable. Verse 10, he who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. He was dishonest in a very little, is dishonest also in much. If then you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? So, we shouldn't be poor stewards. We shouldn't love money. We shouldn't uh, be unfaithful. Should we be cunning and sly? No, that's also not commended uh, by the master. So, well, how do we make sense of this? What then, how should we be like him? What's Jesus tell us? What's he really saying to us in this parable? He's saying this. The man was a poor manager of money, but he was a great manager of his time. Amen? Think about this. What was he commended for? In verse 8, it says the master, after the guy does all these deals, it says the master who was firing him, the master commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness. That means for his prudence, for his earthly wisdom. He, this man was commended. So what was he commending him for? For ripping him off for all these years? No, he wasn't commending him for being dishonest. But he was commending him for his shrewdness and how he handled his present situation. The master might have said something along these lines. The man, the guy didn't take care of me all these years. But when the chips were down, when he had only an hour to act, he sure took care of himself. I at least commend him for this, that he managed his time well to save his own skin. So let's consider how this man 
was prudent, because that's what's commended, and that's what Jesus is saying we should be. Prudent and shrewd. And in what ways was this man, this dishonest manager, shrewd? Well, number one, this dishonest manager got called into the office, and he heard some alarming news that there was a day of reckoning coming, a day of accounting. Turn in the account of your management. And how did this dishonest steward react? <gasps> oh no, if I turn that in, I'm, gonna, I'm sunk. I'm out of here. So he reacted with alarm, and he took the day of reckoning with great seriousness. Number one prudent move, amen? <laughs> All right, good job. The second thing he did was that he quickly reasoned out for himself a plan of action to save his own skin. Look what it says in verse 3. The manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking my, the management away from me? And then he reasons it out really fast. Um, um, I'm not strong enough to dig. Can't do that. Uh, uh, I'm, I, I'm too ashamed to beg. Can't do that. Ah, I know what I'll do. See, in the, when, it, when he had just a few minutes to figure this out before he loses his job and is totally destitute, he gets a quick scheme. He gets a plan of action. And then third thing he does is he acts quickly on that plan to save himself. <clears throat> it says that he says, okay, so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe your master, my master, 100 measures of oils? Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures a week. He said, take your bill and write 80. So notice how this man acted. He was in a dire situation. He had a quick plan. He put it quickly into action. And when he called people into himself, he didn't say, ah, so, Les, how's it going? How's the wife and kids? Hey, Bill, how's your job? No, he says, how much do you owe? Quick, write down. You know, he says, quick, sit down and write 50. I'll, I'll give you, cut you some deals here. And his plan in action was this. If I can give these people some good deals while I still have the stewardship for another hour, maybe when I'm put out of the stewardship, they will remember my kindness and favor to them, and they'll receive me into their houses, because otherwise I'm out on the street. So he was very shrewd in that he reckoned the day of his reckoning, took it seriously, he came up with a quick plan of action, and he, with all speed, put that plan into action. So that's the parable, but now what's Jesus' point? What's he trying to tell us? Well, we read here, verse 8, Jesus says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his prudence. You acted well. <laughs> Even though you, you, were, you were ripping me off all these years, you sure did a good job taking care of yourself. I commend you for your prudence and shrewdness, at least in that. And then Jesus says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now he's bringing the point home to us. This is a typical Hebrew argument Jesus is making here, from the lesser to the greater. He says, Check this out. Look, here's an earthly businessman. His hair is slicked back. He's an unbeliever. He knows nothing of the things of God. And yet when he faces a dire situation, he quickly takes the seriousness of it. He comes up with a quick plan of action, and he deals with the utmost speed to save his own neck. That's smart, at least in dealing with his own generation and the things of this world. But then you come over here to the sons of light, 
and they are not so wise. They're not so prudent. They hear also of a day of reckoning coming, a day of accounting, a day when they'll have to turn in the account of their management of what's been given them, and they do not take it very seriously. They do not act out with a quick plan of action. They don't think it through and reason it out, and they don't take quick action on that and diligence to secure for themselves a good future. And isn't this true? So you, you, have, you have these Wall Street uh, slick, dishonest guys, and they know more than the sons of light because they can at least deal with those kinds of situations in an earthly way. But us, when it comes to heavenly things, we sit around on, the, on our duffs because we know that there's this day of reckoning coming and we don't twig take it seriously, don't take a quick plan of action, and we don't act on it diligently in our lives, taking it with all seriousness. And this is really Jesus' point. The sons of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light are in dealing with heavenly things. And Jesus therefore says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. Well, let's talk about these things. What should we do to be wise, to be prudent people? Jesus' point, he's trying to shame you today, but not just to shame you. He wants to shame you into being wise. And so how should we be wise? Well, the first thing we ought to do, friends, is this. We ought to hear that there is a day upon which We'll turn in the account of our management, of how we've behaved in this life. We take seriously the day of reckoning, the day of accounting, and we, uh, we actually lay hold of that and let it have some serious alarm to inspire us to diligence. Okay, uh, let me just let these words sink into you again. Look at Matthew 24 about the day of accounting. Have you forgotten about this? The second advent of our king? He says... Matthew 24, 29, uh, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they'll gather his elect from the four winds from one end of earth to the other. Do you believe that? Do you know that Jesus is coming again? Do you accept that there's a day of reckoning? That there's a day of accounting? Let this sink into you. Psalm 65, praise is due to thee, O God. To thee all flesh shall come on account of sins. Uh, Jesus says, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Very fast. We don't know just when. If he was quick, Coming quickly in the days of the apostles 2,000 years ago, how much more should we be prepared today? Paul says, uh, for you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people say there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail comes upon a woman with child and there'll be no escape. A day of what? Accounting, reckoning. And uh, Peter says the same thing. The day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will be dissolved with fire. The earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. This world is not going to be forever. There is a day 
fixed in God's mind when this world will be rolled up like you take off your shirt at the end of a day and put it in the drawer. So therefore, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, so whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of God, so that, of Christ, so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he's done in the body. In the body. Two more. Romans 14. Paul says, why do you pass judgment on your brother then? Why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it's written, as I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. Watch this, verse 12. So each of us shall give account of himself to God. And Jesus says, Behold, when is all this going to happen? Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he has done. I've taken some time on this because we tend to forget. We're dolts sometimes. The sons of this age are more shrewd in dealing with dire situations than the sons of light. So let's fix it in our minds today. In this Advent season and always, there is a second Advent. And we're all going to give an account to God. So that's number one way to be prudent. First thing. Second thing we ought to do is reason out a quick plan <laughs> to provide for our future. The businessman said to himself, I'm, t I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm too ashamed to beg. What do we say? I'm not strong enough to earn my own salvation by my own works, and I'm, too, I'm ashamed of my former life. So what do we do? There's two things to be wise. Our quick plan of action is this. Number one, repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus, that you might be freely forgiven, for salvation is a free gift. Second thing I do is I show forth my faith and works of faithfulness, works of love and, and righteousness. So the third thing we need to do to be prudent is take quick action on it. Notice this guy, he didn't even say hi to his friends. He was just like, quick, write down this, write down that, quick, I got 10 minutes here to save my own neck. Well, Jesus says we should be with similar diligence getting out there and, and doing his works. Uh, so will we repent and believe? And Jesus says, truly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Hooray. God gives us salvation as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ. And the second plan of action we've got to take action on is diligently to show forth our faith in works of righteousness. That is an outward show of our inward faith. And Jesus says then this, Therefore I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. So you're supposed to use unrighteous money, in other words, just earthly money, to make friends, just like this guy did, so that they'll receive you into eternal habitations, into heaven. What's that mean? You can buy heaven? Is this what Jesus is saying? Forget it. He's not, certainly not saying that. For we heard about Simon the magician in the Acts reading for today. He tried to buy the Holy Spirit with money. Peter says, your silver perish with you, for you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. In Luther's day, the Roman Catholic Church was selling indulgences to get people to buy heaven, so to speak. Even today, selling masses for the dead to help them through purgatory. Look, you can't buy heaven. That's not the answer here, okay? But 
those whom you have helped with your unrighteous mammon, with your earthly goods and treasures, in a sense, plead for you at the judgment because they show forth your faith, your works. You could have people that you've helped with your money, being faithful in it, and they might say something like this. Oh, this guy over here, Lord Jesus, I was poor and he helped me. I was hungry and he fed me. I was naked and he clothed me. And Jesus would look and say, as you did it to one of the least of these, so you did it to me. So uh, in using your earthly goods, your unrighteous mammon, helping other people, being faithful with your goods in the little time that you have, then these people will gladly welcome you into heaven, into eternal habitations, as your works are showing forth your faith. That's why Jesus then concludes this parable saying, he who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? One day, earthly mammon, unrighteous mammon, is going to fade away. It'll be of no use. The, the dollar's losing money, <laughs> losing value, right? Well, it's going to really lose value on the day of the Lord's coming, as will all money. But the works that you've done uh, pleading for you uh, in showing forth that you have truly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will be a great blessing to you. Jesus wants you to be wise. And isn't this the same thing Jesus says in all the parables? He says, in the ten, uh, I was always pointing to the day of judgment. He says, consider ten virgins. Five are wise and five are foolish. Because some of them were prepared for the day of reckoning. Others didn't prepare. The foolish didn't. The parable of the talents. I'll give you talents. I'm going to go away, but there's a day I'll come back. And I'll demand an accounting. And those who traded with them were blessed when the day of accounting came. Those who didn't trade and were slothful had a big problem. He had the parable of the manager. He was going to go away. How are you going to take care of the house? When he comes in the second or the third watch, Jesus says, Who then is the faithful and wise steward, manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So what I want to impress upon you today is this, okay? Very little time. There's very little time. He's coming at an unexpected hour. We don't know when that is. Could be today. Could be next year. Uh, could be a month from now. Could be on 100 years. But the point is, we have very little time to do these things. And we've got to take it seriously. Take a quick plan of action and take quick action on it and be diligent and encourage each other in that. When I lived in London, I had three months left living in the city. I didn't see a whole lot of the city. When I knew I had three days left, I was bustling with activity, seeing everything that was, there was to see in the town because I knew that my time was short. That's why I started out today with this word from the Holy Spirit, make the most of your time because the days are evil. Be wise. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And uh, in conclusion, then, I want to say this. I am so thankful that we have a faithful manager whose name is Jesus Christ, right? Because he saw this day of reckoning coming. He took it very seriously. 
He had a quick plan of action, namely, even before the foundation of the world. He destined you for adoption as sons. And in the course of time, he acted with the utmost of speed to secure your salvation. Uh, when his face was set to Jerusalem, he was anxious to get there and accomplish your salvation by dying on the cross, shedding his blood that you might be freely forgiven through faith in him. He acted in great haste because he loves you. And so he wants you now and commands you also to be wise. Make the most of the time because the days are evil. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And we are to give thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen.